Hello, and welcome to Runway Girl Network In Conversation, a deep dive into aviation and the passenger experience. I'm RGN Deputy Editor John Walton, and today I'm in conversation with Tim Robinson, the Editor-in-Chief of Aerospace, the magazine of the Royal Aeronautical Society, based in London. Tim, welcome to In Conversation. Uh, Thanks, uh, John. Thanks for inviting me on the show. uh, Fab to have you. How did you get involved in aerospace to begin with? Well, um, I think it's a, a you know not being uh, eyesight and not being uh, maths not being good enough to be a pilot uh, led me down this path and uh, started working at the uh, Royal Aeronautical Society in two thousand and one on their their magazines and uh, somehow I'm still here. Hey, fantastic! We're certainly glad to have you. Um, today we're going to be talking about Brexit and the many issues that leaving the European Union is raising for the United Kingdom in the aerospace world. But first, thanks to our sponsor. In Conversation is brought to you by Bolteron, a Simona company, purveyor of high-performance thermoplastics for tomorrow's aircraft interiors. When you're next on the aircraft, while you draw the latch of your tray table, consider the texture and form of the tray, shaped specifically for your in-flight service convenience. That's Bolteron. Learn more at boltaron.com. So, Tim, I've been watching the submissions to parliamentary committees this week from RAES representatives. Can you sum that up for us? Okay, so today we had a, a, a parliamentary evidence sec- session uh, given to uh, a parliamentary committee from, from the Department of Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy. Uh, on the implications of Brexit to the aerospace industry. So we're talking here about aerospace in the whole, not just airlines, but also uh, manufacturing, R&D, uh, but a space flight. Uh, the witnesses there were, were Catherine Bennett, who's the senior VP Airbus UK. Uh, we've got Paul Everett, chief executive ADS. That's the trade lobby group. And we've got president-elect of the Royal Aeronautical Society, Simon Henley, which is where I'm from, and that is the uh, professional membership organisation. So it's a bit like the, the, the law society. Uh, you know, we, we don't lobby for any particular uh, uh, trade uh, or point of view, uh, but we do try to provide a learned input. Uh, so, so what we, we saw today really was, um, uh, you know, expert witnesses grilled by the committee on, on what the challenges were. Um, you know, there's obviously. Uh, Airbus, uh, Catherine Bennett from Airbus brought up the fact that you know they're, they're committed to the UK. They do the wings here. Uh, they've invested a lot, uh, but they are you know that that the uh, the position always has been that they are worried about um, you know the practical matters uh, of what happens in transferring people, uh, services, and goods around Europe post Brexit. Um, Paul Everett from from, from uh, ADS said said uh, about uh, the industry being in a holding pattern and waiting to see what happens. Uh, and uh, Simon Henley from the from the uh, our president elect was uh, was also talking about the the fact that in the space industry, we'd already started started to see uh, uh, ways in which UK based companies were being uh, cut out of. Uh, EU space, uh, f- future EU space sort of contracts and programs, uh, because obviously you know uh, post Brexit we're not much part of the EU anymore. So, so there's a lot to digest, uh, a lot of good information from the, the 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 committee, a lot of good good questions asked, and uh, a lot lot to kind of sort of take in. 
Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, obviously, the UK and the EU have a very integrated aviation sector right now. Um, what are some of the key issues that they're going to have to be grappling with um, over the next, I mean, it's not really that long, it's just over a year now. Well, I think this is one of the, one of the main one of the main issues. I mean, there's there's a lot of issues to to unpick, and that that is the that is part of the problem of it is is uh, how do you let, let's take a look at the, the, the three main areas for for, for a start. So um, the the committee were, were, was kind of touching on well t- talking about it in in, in ways. Uh, so manufacturing manufacturing. Uh, production of of, air, of, of uh, wings and engines in the UK. The, the UK supplies um, uh, components to uh, you know the EU to, to build aeroplanes. Um, that's the growing demand. Uh, uh, you know, it's a global market, so we're we're pretty well set up at the moment for that. I don't think that's a, that's a, that's a major uh, uh, sort of issue or challenge in itself. But what you have is an extra burden on on on. Uh, Companies like Airbus, companies like Rolls Royce, when they want to shift uh, staff or, or services or, or goods, uh, you know, for example, Beluga wings—that's a that's a classic one. They've got these just-in-time services that, that, that go across Europe, and everything's kind of um, very very efficient. And the idea of like a Beluga sitting around there. Uh, waiting for someone to sign a customs form, you know, that's going to throw a, a spanner in the works for Airbus. Um, secondly, the second thing to look at is obviously airlines, uh, which if you guys are probably more interested in, is, is what happens post, you know, March 2019. You know, uh, do airlines stop flying? Do we revert to the WTO? Does something else that could come in? Uh, what's the worst case scenario you, you have to you have to look at? Um, you know, the, the airline, the aircraft are suddenly not going to become unairworthy after March 2019. But aviation is such a highly regulated industry uh, that you can't just sort of sort of brush it under the carpet and say, oh, well, hang on, you know, we're, we're not quite up to date with our paperwork. Uh, you know, can, can we take six months off while we get up to speed? Uh, and the third area, I think, is uh, discounting space, is aerospace R&D, is what happens in the future. Uh, a lot of the investment decisions for today's products have already been t- uh, taken. So you've got things like the uh, A320 Neo coming out, A350. Uh, these products are already in the production line, and it's just a ma- matter of um, you know um, building uh, you know building wings and building engines and building landing gear quicker, quicker and quicker, and getting them out of the door to cope with demand. The future uh, aerospace R&D, is, that, is that, that's, that's where the interesting bit, bit, bit happens is, is what happens in things like uh, European Clean Sky Free, Horizon 2020, which was kind of EU investment R&D funds. How does the UK and its it, UK industry PLC, how does it, uh, you know, what, what future does it have to, to invest in its own R&D or, or is there a way we can pay to get back in? Uh, those are sort of three big kind of um, areas, I would say. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting that manufacturing side of things um, is something that I'm I'm watching relatively closely. Obviously, that's not exactly been a um, an area of strength, shall we say, recently um, on certain parts of the Airbus program. Um, what does what does a company like Airbus, which has, as you say, just in time manufacturing? What do they do? Do they build up a stock of wings in advance? Do they have to create additional uh, stock locally in the final assembly lines in Toulouse and Hamburg and um, Tianjin and Mobile? Is what, what's what's the thinking there? 
Um, well, building up a big, big stock of of, uh, of engines or wings, uh, only if it goes wrong. <laughs> um, uh, so, so we, we've we've all seen in the media about about uh, the um, uh, you know a, a line of A320 Neos without engines in in Toulouse. You know the the, the Toulouse Gliding Club, as it's been. Uh, as, oh, uh, the, some, the no engine option. Yes. So yeah, so, some some wags have called it, um, uh, and that's what happens when your your supply chain gets out of sync uh, with uh, the production. Uh, and that's that's uh, one of the you know one of the challenges I think I think they've been looking looking at is is hard is um, how to avoid that and how to avoid that extra burden you know it's not it's not insurmountable but it's just an extra thing on top of uh, everything else. Yeah, and indeed one of the things that I'm looking at is about the level of preparation by the UK and the UK government in terms of being able to do all the processing that it will now have to do separately from the EU. Um, whether that's you know holidaymakers queued up at Dover, or whether that's the fact that, as you say, your beluga can't take off because it doesn't have the right piece of paper, and there aren't enough people to produce the piece of paper, um, that's going to be a really interesting challenge, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I mean, really, uh, if you're talking about things like um, uh, aviation safety, let's let's talk aviation safety and EASA. Uh, really, if if you were doing it properly, you'd want to be sort of like playing this sort of ten years previously you know a decade beforehand uh, in order to to get that expertise um it's ironic that that um you know the uk has one of been been one of the uh, driving forces behind the european safety a- a- agency and that has done absolute wonders for uh, aviation safety in europe and, and wider it, it's now you know the gold uh, the gold standard of aviation safety, along with the FAA. If you are certifying a commercial aircraft today, you need FAA certification. You need EASA certification. You don't go to, you know, uh, Fiji, uh, for example, uh, and, and get the, 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 you know, the, the, the certification from from, from them. Uh, those are the two big ones you, you aim for, uh, and um, you know that that is a. A big thing to 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 keep that uh, level of of of, uh, of safety, it's especially also uh, that people don't um, uh, sort of underestimate is is in the growth of air travel. You know, in, in the in the the way in which air travel doubles every fifteen years. We've been told that you know you you see the, see the stats, and uh, it it is organisations like EASA and, and the FAA uh, that have helped keep the accident rate down. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm I'm also got a, an eye on the air traffic control systems, which are of course increasingly integrated. Um, and what happens if the um, you know, UK systems and the EU systems uh, start to diverge? I, I think personally, I think I think there's less of a worry about ATM and ATC. Um, um, the, the reason being is the the, the single European sky, uh, you know, the, the idea of a single European sky is still still you know in 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 the in the slow lane. Um, so oddly, although although many EU uh, uh, countries will share will happily share a currency, uh, everyone li- still likes to hold on to their own airspace. Um, so that I think is a, is is you know people have been pushing for for, for more integration. Of uh, of uh, you know airspace and uh, you know, there's obviously the Caesar the the, the Europe, Euro controls from Caesar program um, and it's just kind of 
really, really kind of slowly, slowly, slowly uh, moving at a glacial pace. I don't think that would be. I don't think we could kind of wake up in 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 March 2019 and find, um, you know, everyone had gone gone to a different version of airspace. You know, airspace 2.0. We were left on airspace uh, 1.0, and and that wouldn't work. Um, it, 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 ATM, I think, is is um, still very much a. Uh, a, a national service provider business, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, in terms of EASA, other nations within the European area, um, I'm thinking the Norways, the Switzerlands, the uh, Liechtensteins, um, are already part of EASA as a sort of affiliate member, aren't they? Is that sort of option open to the UK? Yeah, I, I I think that um, I think that that we one way forward, uh, and and I think if you were to if if somebody were to come out and uh, with um, who was well above my pay grade and in a position of authority to say we're we're going to go down that route, we're going to be Switzerland or we're going to be Norway um, in EASA, um, that would be uh, that would be very welcome. Uh, you know, that would be oh wow. You know, w- w- there'll be a, a sort of a, a collective sigh of relief around the 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 uh, aviation aerospace industry. Is oh, okay. This this is how it works. Um, you've obviously got different levels of involvement. Um, you know, Switzerland is a member, but then there's kind of sort of various little little other sort of levels below that. Uh, but you lose the influence. So. UK is going to lose its its influence in in sort of setting standards and uh, and things like that, which is was ironic really because um, you know UK uh, and the its expertise in aviation safety and certification, all the rest of it, uh, was one of the driving forces behind EASA. Yeah, indeed. Let's dive a little deeper into the safety side of things. Um, as the UK leaves. Um, let's assume that there isn't any any agreement at this stage to um, as a, to to bridge into EASA or something similar. What will the UK need to replicate in in terms of aviation safety? Um, that is a very good question. Um, you, you're looking at as I, as I said earlier. I mean, you, if you were going to do this properly, you would have stopped planning um, uh, sort of. You know, sort of ten years previously. Uh, you know, the CIA, for example, has would would have to expand uh, tremendously. You'd have to invest in in in, in, in the CIA. The expertise is is gone. It's uh, it's it's not there at the moment. So, how long would it take to to to, to regain this expertise? Is a good question. But but you know, the, the things you're looking at is uh, you know, sort of type certification. You're looking at licenses. You're looking at. Uh, um, uh, and a good example here was was from uh, Simon Henley at the the parliamentary uh, uh, hearing, which uh, I didn't really sort of think of, is that there are about 170 plus um, FAA certificated MRO facilities in the in the UK. So they they are authorised to 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 work on on sort of you know you know US aircraft uh, with FAA tickets. Um, the FAA is already planning worst case scenario from uh, January 2018 that we are going to crash out of EASA uh, because th- th- that's what they've got to do. They've got to, they've got to plan ahead and, uh, uh, you know, sort of take that into account. So th- there's all these uncertainties. I mean, 
on the plus side, the, the, the message does seem to be getting through. Uh, you know, there are uh, the right noises coming from Whitehall. There are right coming noises coming for, from uh, government. Uh, but it's the devil in the detail. It's, it's what have you missed? What what are the? How do you untangle all of the, the the different bits? What was the response from uh, the committee members, the the, the parliamentarians, to um, to these three pieces of evidence in particular? Um, yeah, I mean, they uh, they 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 were they were uh, seemed sort of. You know, um, pretty clued up, pretty uh, pretty interested. They were asking, they, they were certainly asking the right sort of questions you you, you would ask. Uh, uh, but some of them, some of them have, um, some of them at the moment are are in in, in limbo. Uh, some of them is, is as uh, as Paul Everett said. You know, it's a, it's a holding pattern at the, at the moment. Um, the the right, I, th- I think, you know, the, the the they are aware of the issues. Put it this way: Let's say, let's say, Whitehall is are aware of the issues, but I think um, uh, the uh, maybe that there is a sort of you know there still needs to be a sort of a a, a, a bit of a, a nudge on the urgency of some of them, because if we're, if we're talking about 2019, uh, March 2019, and you will probably know this better than, than I do, and about sort of airlines planning, airline scheduling, and and how far ahead that 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 does. Uh, you know, March 2019 is coming pretty soon, and, and airlines like you know Ryanair, EasyJet, etc., uh, etc., et BA, they've all got a plan well in advance about what are they going to do for their, you know, their, their summer schedules in March 2019. How are they going to manage it? Um, so, so that aspect of it is is there is a, a sort of a, a, a ticking clock going on, and uh, it's it's getting more and more urgent. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what what are British airlines doing in terms of trying to make those preparations? Right. Well, I mean, some of them are already already been proactive. Um, uh, EasyJet, for example, example has uh, 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 in, in the summer has uh, 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 going to open a, 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 an AOC uh, in, in Austria, so a new base in Austria. So basically, they, they'll be able to sort of um, you know kind of use the European air operator certificate uh you know post uh, uh you know march 2019 um so so i think you know some of them are, are already looking at this and, and and looking at it from a sort of proactive standpoint as to perhaps we you know perhaps we sort of start uh you know planning for the worst case um but it, it, it depends you know um you've got the whole Depending on on what happens, is is it going to be? Is there going to be some kind of interim agreement, which is obviously the industry is 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 quite keen on, or is it just going back to WTO? Uh, how does that, uh, this affect open skies with the US? You know, the transatlantic is obviously the the uh, I suppose you'd call it the, the golden goose uh, that lays the eggs, um, the golden eggs. Um, you know, what does that do to to uh, bilaterals with the US? Um, all in, you know, all at the moment, sort of seemingly a little bit in limbo. Yeah, and you know, I think we we keep coming back to this issue of everything being in limbo and people just not being sure, um, which I, I suspect may surprise international listeners who assume that there has been a lot of planning for all of this thing. Um, one of the issues, of course, that we're hitting as as we you know stare down the barrel of the loaded Brexit gun is is that. You know, we ended up at the end of the referendum vote last year with nobody really having any plans for this. 
um, which is obviously not a not an ideal situation to be in. Um, in uh, in terms of negotiating um, open skies agreements and figuring that out, what's your take on whether the UK has the expertise in order to be able to do that, or is that something else that needs to be hired in another process uh, which will take up more time? Oh, that, that, again, that's a, that's a good question. Yeah, um, have we got the expertise? Well, it, it, it's it's another it's another burden. It's another gosh. Didn't we think of this earlier? Uh, type to, to to think of of um, um, question to to look at. Uh, I honestly don't know on that that that, that one. Uh, I'm afraid. Um, uh, you would you would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't exactly sound like the best thing to build a policy and uh, significant national industry on. I mean, it, it, I, I, you know, I grew up flying transatlantically between you know New York and London on that hourly British Airways shuttle, basically. Um, and you know, the 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 UK has obviously been uh, you know ceding its negotiation power, ability, and expertise to EASA for so long that that it will have to create its own somewhere. Um, you know whether that's the uh, the newly created Department of International Trade, or whether it's the um, BEIS, which is the uh, Business Energy Industry and Industrial what? Strategy. Yeah, business and Industrial Strategy. <laughs> that's it. Um, you know, it's it's these these various parts of of the Whitehall governmental machine, um, sort of all hopefully working together. But it's it it does leave us with some some big questions, doesn't it, about about what exactly needs to be done. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think to, on on the flip side, I think uh, that um, uh, you know, let, let's let's play a sort of devil's uh, devil's advocate here. It's not all doom and gloom. So, the UK has got you know a second or third largest uh, aerospace industry uh, in in the world. You know, uh, second or third, depending on whether you talk to the French beforehand. Uh, manufacturing, you know, there's great demand for. Uh, 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 sort of civil aviation at the moment, you know, it's it's going through the roof. That is not a a, a problem. Um, the uh, sort of airlines, how they will keep flying, um, you know, I'm sure somebody will find a way. Uh, you know, and, and especially if, if MPs are uh, have their minds concentrated over the past of uh, the next sort of you know sort of. Uh, until March 2019, by, by constituents who who are suddenly sort of like waking up to the fact that uh, you know they, they might be able to not get onto an EasyJet flight uh, or for the same price, maybe, or, or uh, the, the, you know there are reports, media reports coming out um, uh, that say that it's going to be uh, you know sort of planes will stop flying. You know, maybe maybe an exaggeration, maybe accurate. I don't I don't know. Um, and there are also some some um, weirdly. I mean, I was I was talking to a uh, uh, talking uh, at uh, Dubai Air Show that there was uh, people who think think there's, there's going to be some good opportunities. Uh, the uh, the uh, chief commercial oper- operator uh, officer from Leonardo uh, speaking there at Dubai. Uh, he he was positive about it. He thought there were some risks about the R and D, uh, but Leonardo they're a big player in in uh, in defence in helicopters. All rest of it, um, and BA Systems on the military side of, of um, uh, aerospace, um, they they're not really affected. They've got bilaterals with France, uh, but they are, you know, they, they they're, they're involved with JSF, and they're they're not really sort of seeing any 
major uh, sort of, you know, so I would say sort of her challenges from it in, in, that, in that respect. So um, it's important to sort of keep it in, I think, keep it in, in, in perspective as well. Yes, I mean, that, that, that's certainly true. I mean, Leonardo is the old Augusta Westland uh, operation in Somerset and elsewhere, if memory serves. Is that right? That's right, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, they were very heavily um, pushing for the Remain vote. Um, and and uh, it's interesting that they're now singing to a different hymn sheet, I think, from from the one they were singing in June last year, um, where, where it was all, you know, the fact that it was going to cause them many uh, fairly serious issues. Um, in, in terms of that R&D that they're talking about, though, um, obviously one of the things that we talk about on Romney Girl Network quite a bit is getting the, um, you know, a, a diverse and international pipeline going. Um, what are the implications for the UK in, in those terms? In, in the R&D, well, this is, uh, this is going to be the, the, the big um, uh, kind of bun fight coming up in, in, in future R&D and, and how that... Um, how that gets allocated, what access uh, the, the UK will have or, or UK firms. So, for example, you know, Clean Sky, uh, Clean Sky Free, the next sort of uh, sort of um, European um, uh, civil aerospace R&D program. Uh, that you know normally would have you know you'd want people like you know GKN, Rolls Royce uh, taking part in that. Um, what happens beyond Brexit is going to be interesting. Some some uh, companies have already made noises about um, about how they are uh, uh, how they are sort of uh, you know more European companies. They they've highlighted their their European facilities and their European factories um, on the basis that uh, hey we're, we're, we've got you know we're employing so many so uh, so you know our HQ may be in uh, UK but. We're employing all these people in in Germany, uh, France, what have you, uh, to to kind of um, uh, you know to sort of justify it that way. Um, so that might be one thing. Oh, and another another uh, way way in to to future European R and D projects might be just to, to to pay your way in, and and it also might be a case of um, uh, the, that uh, you know that the the, uh, the people organising or the, the EU might decide in certain circumstances that uh, it's okay to turn a blind eye and to sort of say um, uh, you know company X is actually German uh, if it suits a particular project and if it's going to suit that particular um, uh, sort of you know uh, sort of research program uh, so you might find that in the future um, the alternative is, is is what the UK really needs to do is if, if that's not the kind of case, we're not going to have the same sort of uh, access to these R&D programs. And also, you know, universities and uh, sort of skills is uh, it really needs to kind of think about boosting its own um, internal, you know, own national R&D uh, programs. Now, we've already made a start on that with the, uh, the ATI, the uh, Aerospace Technology Institute, which is kind of 50-50 um, industry, government, long-term research projects on civil aerospace applications. Um, that I think you know it, it was one of the re- areas where government or, or Whitehall may may want to look at and to, to, to boost into improving UK's competitiveness post Brexit. Uh, so as that it's still it's still you know it's still going to be a, a, a good place for. 
for you know European companies to 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 uh, to, uh, to uh, still do business with, invest in, what have you, but also uh, you know on the wider world, uh, you know uh, in the US as well. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I guess one of the one of the questions though is is where does that come from? Um, does this come out of the you know that that famed Boris Johnson standing next to a bus with three hundred and fifty million pounds a week going to the EU? Uh, standing on it is it is is that the pot which they would have to be replacing? Uh, no, I think I think with the, the I mean the ATI is 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 for uh, long term research projects. So it it, it was basically recognising that there was a uh, you know the the UK had been living off its um, and I forget forget the exact phrase here, but but you know past glories. So a research done in the nineteen nineties and nineteen eighties. Uh, the aerospace is a long, long, long cycle industry where you, you, you do, do a bit of research and, you know, 20, 30 years later, it shows up in an airplane. So there was a recognition there that, that, that we'd been living off the past glories, past investments, and we now started to, 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 to need to, uh, you know, make, make more of an effort to, to invest in future technology. So the, the sums that they're, they're, they're talking about, they're not, they're not, huge mega mega sums um but that, that, that kind of seed corn funding uh also matched by industry that that and it's the long-term stability that industry really likes is that this this is a program we can put money into Come going to put money into and it's it's kind of ring fenced in that all right the, the uh, following government isn't going to turn around uh, you know soft uh isn't going to kind of rock up and go uh oh tsr2 we're cancelling that Mm. So it's something that they, they they can have a and and, and uh, you know weirdly enough uh, there were there were people in 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 uh, in, in France looking at this with, with quite a little sort of uh, you know a bit of envy on the continent looking oh yeah, that, that actually you know that the this was this was quite a good sort of uh, idea model to follow but it seems to me Tim and, and I'm not sure if I've missed something somewhere that no one really knows the total sum that the UK government will have to replace. If they are cut off from EU funding, if there's no agreement, that's is that correct? Um, yeah, I mean it's it's cut off from from EU, from EU funding in in R and D. Um, yeah. So, so exa- for example, if if at the, the end of um, you know, next next March, everything just comes to a to a grinding halt, and um, for whatever reason, the EU says no, you can't buy your way back into these projects. Um, What's the amount that needs to be replaced, let alone in increasing, but just to maintain the steady state of this sort of R&D investment? Again, I, I uh, don't know offhand, I'm afraid. <laughs> no, no, uh, fair enough. This is, it sounds like this is another one of those um, problems that we haven't even really scoped the a full extent of yet. Yeah, no, there is, there is a, uh, there is a, there is a sort of like a head. Um, uh, there is a headline figure for like, you know Horizon 2020 if you look it up or, or um, you know Clean Skies to Clean Skies Free. So um, apologies, yeah, um, I, I don't know if off the off the top of my head. No, no f- fair enough. One of the issues that we look at quite a bit is um, getting the right mix of people into organisations and particularly into uh, aerospace organisations. Um, 
Has, have there been any discussions around some sort of uh, special uh, visa for industry um, sort of arrangements? Are there going to be some sort of um, aerospace specific or aerospace category visa to ensure that this um, you know, priority industry is one that can um, be maintained in terms of the expertise that it's able to attract, not just from the EU, but, but worldwide? I think you've, you've, you've hit on a very important point in, in terms of uh, that has is sort of underappreciated in terms of skills and um, workforce mobility, and also encouraging people into the industry. In, in, in you know the, the big uh, the big global aerospace firms, if, if you if you join Airbus, or if you join uh, Rolls Royce, or if you join uh, you know, Company X, what one of the one of the key attractions is. Uh, you will get to, as part of your career development, you will get to, to, to move around to different places. You'll have, to, you know, sort of two years in Toulouse, you'll, you know, and that's one of the, uh, you know, one of the issues uh, that really needs to be, to, to, to be looked at is is the, the sort of skills. I mean, uh, um, the, the, the problem is obviously this runs against um, freedom of movement, is uh, one of the things that, 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 that the kind of arch Brexiteers have been arguing against in, in terms of um, sort of economic migrants. But there, there's obviously a difference between highly skilled Airbus engineer and uh, somebody who is, is sort of just off the boat from, you know, kind of wherever, you know. Um, so um, yeah, I think that's a really, really good point about um, you know the, the workforce mobility and and uh, you know the opportunities, the opportunities, the global aerospace uh, sort of um, uh, industry offers uh, in, 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 to, to young people and, and to, to sort of staff. You know, maybe it won't. Uh, it's not going to sort of um, uh, uh, kind of uh, stop it uh, completely, but it will. Again, it's never burden. It's never uh, a barrier. It's never something else there in the in the way to kind of uh, get in the way. Um, whereas previously it was, oh yeah, you know, join join company X, see the world. Yeah, and one of the things that I noted with a lot of interest in the RAS's submission to this committee today was that in a lot of particularly international companies, um, having had international experience is something that is a not even a nice to have on a senior executive recruiting uh, form these days. It's an absolute must, um, and of course that will be very tricky if, if you know, a, a generation or, or well, three or four generations of British uh, management teams go through even a, a even if it takes a couple of years to sort this out and then it's all hunky dory. But there'll be a couple of years that that people are now behind their international counterparts in terms of having had that expertise and experience um whether that's a cv box ticking exercise or whether that's you know actually um in, in many ways having useful experience to to draw from in that way completely right yeah i mean uh, the the uh, the mobility i mean aerospace is a a, a global industry uh and uh uh, we uh, we sort of take it for granted that that uh, you know you, you you would move from job to job and you'd have this sort of uh, ability to to move wherever you you want to work um, um, and and interestingly it's not um, 
you know, it's not something that something uh, that's uh, uh, kind of happened overnight, or, or even even particularly kind of uh, connected to the EU in in a way. Uh, you think of uh, some of the uh, some of the, 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 the people, you know, uh, one of uh, Boeing's first hires was a, a Chinese engineer, uh, an aeronautical engineer. Um, you think of other people who uh, um, one of the uh, you know, in in the industry, who made their mark outside uh, their their home nation, uh, working for somebody else. So, you know, there, there are plenty of examples of of, of that. So, um, yeah, it's it's, it's going to have a sort of a, you know, um, you know, danger is that it's going to have an effect on on the uh, attractiveness of uh, aerospace careers in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Um- is there any good news that we have on this sort of uh, this sort of topic, Tim? What's the, what's the what's the potential upside? Is it a greater involvement with developing nations? Is it a um, closer partnership with the United States and China and non-EU nations? Is is there anything there that that that, that we can talk about that's got a little bit of a rosier picture to it? Uh, well, I think, I think some of the airlines, you know, some of the UK flagged airlines might be uh, particularly interested in, in getting rid of the, uh, the EU's compensation scheme. Let's put it this way, uh, you know, for the uh, sort of delays and, you know, sort of delays on, on, on passenger rights. They, they might be, they'd be interested in, in the fact that uh, uh, that might be um, potentially, you know, I, I don't know, uh, potentially they might be able to kind of say, well, uh, uh, you know, uh, air traffic delays, but delays by you know weather, acts of God, air traffic control. Uh, it's it's no longer our fault, our fault, and we we don't have to pay up to passengers. That that might be one. Uh, I'm not uh, sure good. from a PaxX perspective, <laughs> Tim. That's really a plus. <laughs> well, good 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 for the air, uh, airlines. Um, and um, there's a, there's other little little bits of of, of kind of uh, sort of legislation. I think that that uh, some people in, in certain sectors in certain niches we would say. Um, you know, we we might be better off uh, ditching. For example, in the the VIP um, helicopter uh, 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 sort of uh, charter industry, um, they uh, they were they were chomping at the bit because they they had uh, new rules brought in, uh, which were aimed from from EASA, which were aimed really at the offshore uh, oil and gas industry, uh, and they they were stuck in a sort of like a, 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 a Put in, in in a certain box um, where uh, you know the, the pilots could never get the um, uh, the the experience or the or the, the the qualifications to move on to the next sort of uh, sort, sort of sort of license or the next stage. Um, there's a little bit of a, a bit involved um, story, but but basically you know that they, they they were sort of saying that that. Uh, uh, you know, some of the operators there were, were, were angry about the uh, EASA. Um, yeah, I mean, global opportunities uh, could be. I mean, uh, you know, it's also needs to remember that uh, you know Airbus has, in dealing with you know um, uh, parts of parts of it outside the EU. You know, Airbus has a, a, a foul in Alabama, US has a foul in in, in China. Uh, you know, it goes where the market is. Uh, so, you know, if 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 the if the skills and the investment is there, uh, then uh, you know people are still going to want to do business with the UK. They still want to invest in the UK. 
I think what it, what it, what the the ultimate uh, uh, conclusion really is is that the the UK has now got to really up its game even more. We're now out of well, we're, we're, you know, we're going to be out of the club, and you can't take it for a given uh, that okay, we're 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 in the EU, therefore um, we'll uh, we, we should get X amount of work just by being in the EU. I mean that that was changing anyway, but the the competition uh, between uh, ourselves and uh, uh, the uh, you know uh, companies within the EU, companies without the EU, on um, uh, you know sort of uh, providing you know engines, wings, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, to the rest of the world has, has, has just kind of uh, uh, gone up a gear. Uh, so the so you know UK industry has really got to kind of up its game uh, to, to in competitiveness and, and efficiency to uh, to uh, kind of cope with this. Well, absolutely. That's that. That's the conclusion I'm rapidly coming to as well. But but thank you, Tim. This has been a, a really, um, if if not inspiring, certainly a a sobering and thought provoking conversation. Um, listeners, we hope you enjoyed it, and we're always keen to find out what you think. Uh, please feel free to email me at john at runwaygirlnetwork.com with any suggestions. Uh, thank you to our guest, Tim Robinson. Tim, where can our listeners find you? Okay, uh, you can find me uh, tweeting uh, at at res temar, or you can go to the Royal Aeronautical Society website at www.aerosociety.com. Fantastic! As ever, you can find me on Twitter at that john, and everything from RGN on Twitter at Runway Girl and at RunwayGirlNetwork.com. Thanks for listening.